Hello and welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today is someone I've been following for a while, been watching on YouTube, been listening to his podcast. This is uh, Mark Beeman of uh, Mad Sounds, and uh, what did you say your other musical project was? Uh, it's called Fully Involved. And Fully also, Involved. Did you say, also, also, did you just say Beeman? I thought it was Beeman. Like that, uh, like, like that R just wasn't even there? Oh, it's Ver... <laughs> a guy. Wow, wow. Podcasting 101. I guess you didn't you didn't learn from the masters over here. Okay. Okay, guys, uh listening, I'm not actually like that. I I use I I I just act stupid sometimes, but uh, it's okay. Happens to the best of us. I forgive you. Thank you. It's Berman it's Berman, the the last name just as 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 Jewish G. As, as, as our boy we're talking about today. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. But, yeah, um, I wanted to have you on because, so, like I said, I've been following him for a while. I follow you on Twitter. You're very entertaining on Twitter, by the way. So. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that, that, um, if, if we're saving our plugs for the end, I don't know, it's uh, at Mark Mad Sounds, I guess, is kind of like the, the hub for things, me, right. you know. But, yeah, and there thanks. Are, yeah, and there are two things that, that have always kind of, like, appeal to me like one you're a younger dude like me and you like a lot of classic rock like i saw you went to jeff yeah. Toll this year you went to peter frampton and yeah. i can relate to being that guy at the show like, oh, everybody's always like and you know this music how so yeah I, and i, I will say like cool. especially it's, it's been like especially a thing over the last uh, couple years because um so context um i really got into like the content making game around like 2014 or so i started doing album reviews on YouTube, on a channel that used to be called Spin Reviews, uh, then turned into Mad Sounds um, after the podcast. Uh, and I did that in kind of like a, a gauntlet style as most, you know, your needle drops and your spectrum pulses, your ARTVs would do, you know. Right. Um, did that for a few years. And then I just kind of got the ultimate burnout as the YouTuber trope is. Uh, and I uh, just kind of... And, like, this year especially, I've been kind of, like, I've been keeping up with new stuff, obviously, because I just am naturally curious about it. But, like, normally around this time, I would have taken in, like, 50 new albums. But on my, like, word doc that I keep, I got, like, maybe 12. But So, like, it's been a pretty steep drop-off. And I've been generally just diving into old vinyl to just widen my music nerdery, as it were. And as a result, that's gotten me to go on these crazy binges of, of a Jethro Tull or... I mean, Peter Frampton, that was really just like, that was actually a Father's Day gift I got from my dad uh, a few months ago. We, ended, we saw him at the forum for his uh, farewell tour. That was fun. Nice. Um, and another one of those binges, segue, would be for Springsteen, who obviously we can talk about, you know, how we got into him and stuff. But right. but the 20, I basically spent a lot of 2018 uh, reading his autobiography, or listening to his autobiography, uh, which, by the way, you got to listen to it. I want that man to narrate my life. Um <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's like him and Bruce Dickinson. Like, mm, I, I wish those books never, would never end. But anyway, uh, and also Bruce, Bruce's book, by the way, is 16 hours long. Anyway, uh, so, so that's why it took intermi intermittently, like almost a year. But I basically, like any holes that I hadn't filled, that I hadn't listened to in his discography, I basically listened chronologically as he talked about each album, you know, at the time that it came out. That's an interesting idea. That's really and, cool. And, yeah, and then I also, you know, use that as an opportunity to build a full studio album vinyl collection 
of of the of the studio albums anyway. If I if I, if I got all the live albums, I'd be, yeah. on, I'd, be I'd be living on the curb. But <laughs> you know, I don't think he has too many of those. But yeah, they're, they're have you funny. have you seen the list of bootlegs on Rate Your Music, my friend? I've not seen the list of bootlegs. I've just seen the it, official releases. <laughs> it is no exaggeration. Probably over over a thousand. Jesus Christ! It's at least hundreds. It's at least hundreds. Ugh. I know, okay, I know. Like, like I, I haven't even been the bullet on the live seventy-five to eighty-five set. So I just picked that thing up. It's worth it. I'm, I'm sure. I, I did listen to it at some point, like early, early on when I was checking out albums from the library. Um, but, 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 which we'll get into a tunnel of love. That being one of them. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I feel like that's yeah. a good segue. Um, one last thing on your Twitter. Um, the reason I asked you to do this, um, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but you made this great tweet about going to see Blinded by the Light. Yeah, do you want me? Do you want me to pull it up and, and uh, read it out loud? Yes, actually, I think that would be great if you did that. But I'll I'll, I'll just say he he made this beautiful statement, and I immediately knew this is the guy I need to talk about Springsteen with. I'm flattered, honestly. Like yeah. I like it's funny because like I, I noticed that like going through your podcast, I'm just vamping while I while I get the tweets. Yeah. Um, I noticed that while I was going through, looking through episodes of the podcast, like, y- y- there isn't really, like, with the exception of, like, the Rick Ocasek tribute or something like that, like, there isn't really any kind of rhyme or reason or, like, milestone or anything to what albums he decides to talk about. It's just kind of, hey, I feel like talking about this 2001 Depeche Mode album today. Basically, so, yeah. Which, 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 I, which I can weirdly respect, Thank you know? You. Thank you. Yeah. I, I've been learning that myself to, like, not, you know, fully devote myself only to the, the tentpole releases yeah you know but yeah, I, I mean, I, mean I, I, guess, I guess it is kind of relevant to zero it with you know with uh with the, with him putting out a new album a few months ago and whatnot oh yeah but uh yeah let, let me pull up searching here you can edit some of this out obviously oh, yeah. i'll make it a little shorter mm-hmm. um yeah uh okay um blinded blinded Okay, 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 <clears throat> okay. So I just pulled it up here, and now a dramatic reading of my own tweet. September twenty second, two thousand nineteen, one nineteen p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Oh, so when the Blind by the Light movie guy yells "Thunder Road" in its entirety in public to no audio other than what's in his headphones, he gets the cute nineteen eighty seven Antifa girl. But when I do it, I'm disturbing the peace and asked to leave this in and out. It's so great, man. Ten whole likes. It's pretty good by my standards. That, that's pretty damn. That's pretty damn good. I just love that. And that scene stuck out in my head. Not for that reason, but my that scene made me nuts because he pulls the cassette out of the river cassette case and Thunder yes, Road starts playing. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that made me nuts. <laughs> now I do list a few other gripes here and in, in this little thread here. Yeah. Um, and it and I will say the one that it ends on. The, the, there's one other, th- and I do kind of want to keep going because one of the ones here will be a perfect segue into the record we're talking about today. Right. So. Oh, the, the one that the one that got zero likes, which I'm unfortunate, which I'm sad about, is also maybe it's a little too inside knowledge of the movie. I don't know, but also Javed's friend Matt is a bitch. All caps. If your buddy joining your dad and harmlessly razzing your music taste is a big enough faux paw to break it off, and one you equivocate with hate speech, that's entirely your problem, my dude. Yeah, I agree. Also, also, and this is the next tweet. As a Bruce snob, this movie bypassed my critical faculties and... Wait, no, yeah, no. This is, this is supposed to be a positive tone, sorry. 
Also, also, as a Bruce snob, this movie bypassed my critical faculties and hit that warm, fuzzy, dorky center for me. At the same time as a Bruce snob, they know Bruce has more than six songs, right? I refuse to believe that a literate loner like Javed connected with nothing from Nebraska. Amen. Amen. And you're right, yeah. that is a good transition. Um, I'd like you to oh, start... actually... I, well, I mean, the, the, the next week would be the better transition, because it ties directly into what we're talking about today. It does. On that note, with the movie set in 1987, how did they not squeeze in something from Tunnel of Love? Sure, it wasn't born in the USA big, but singing along with Blue Disguise on the radio or using Tougher Than the Rest as a god-tier love theme was right there. Okay. It was perfect. Now, now, now it's you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, just like you said, we're going to talk about today... Tunnel of Love, and this is a really yeah. special record to me. Um, I want to start first with our origin stories, as I call them, um, and tie them into the record itself. So you alluded to it earlier. You went, you started reading the autobiography, or listening to it, I should say. But where did it all begin? Did it start before that? Were you kind of like a casual fan? You know, where did it begin? Okay, so I'm going to say that Springsteen was maybe one of the first five artists that I like really got into. Uh, because specifically, um, when I was around nine, ten or so, you know, I, I, I got in my first few records, uh, in the form of, I, I started becoming the budding, uh, 12 year old classic rock snob that I would become a couple years later. <laughs> uh, I had, uh, my parent, my mom got me into like Def Leppard, Van Halen, uh, maybe Aerosmith was there, was there by that point, um, and he and she saw that I was playing guitar for about a year at that point. So she she thought, hey, he likes instruments. Why don't I uh, bring him into the element, the fifth grade uh, school band playing sax? You know oh. why the why the hell not? So uh, now, fair warning, that lasted for less than a semester. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I remember. I would remember nothing about, about if you handed me a sax today, but. In the process, we went over to uh, Moose Records in Encinitas. A shout out that's been the place I've gone to for like as long as as long as I can remember. Good little one room independent record store uh, in the beach towns of San Diego. Anyway, uh, and and we went along the shelves and we got greatest hits albums from Supertramp, who I who I'm also kind of a, a, the lone stand for out of my group of friends, uh, and <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, the, the the classic '90s greatest hits album. Right, and I just spun that one on CD, uh, uh, spinning. You know, I guess CD spin, but right. I just spun that one over and over and over again for like a couple of years, and then and then later on, once I started checking stuff out, CDs out from the local library, I was like, oh hey, uh, I'm I'm gonna start getting some records, uh, you know, and that's how I got into uh, the Rising Magic, uh, or in the USA, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, and the one we're talking about today. A ton of love. Nice. Nice. That's a great yeah. way to get into them. Um, I wish I'd started as young as you had. Um, so like you, I grew up listening to classic rock, my dad's classic rock specifically. Um, and I'd hang out with my dad on the farm a lot, and we'd listen to classic rock radio. And Springsteen was always there. Like, I'd always hear Born in the USA, Dancing in the Dark, I'm on Fire. Classic rock radio, love that stuff. But right. I, for some reason as a kid, I decided, like, he's just a wannabe John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp does the... What he does so much better. I, 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 I'm I'm shutting down this chat right now. <laughs> how dare? I, I mean, I understand. I'm like retroactively. How dare you? <laughs> you from like over a decade ago. But 
can I cancel you for this, please? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no. I, 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 I've heard the argument that he's, like, I mean, did, did, I heard the argument from some people that he's, like, the Midwestern Bruce Springsteen, which I don't, I wouldn't have the perspective to know. Yeah. But, I mean, did you grow up? I mean, what, I grew right, up in North Dakota, Dakota, so I would say that's okay. a very okay. accurate description. And now I see them as very different, actually. Like, I see a lot of differences in how they write, how they present themselves. Um, you know, it was just something I saw as a kid. It was like, oh, they're both gruff and kind right. of sing about stuff that's familiar to me. Small so, towns. Small towns and stuff like that, so, yeah. Some more on the nose than others. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I always like eh, John's better, but um, it ha- there came a time it was a, uh, I believe it was 2017 when Tom Petty passed, oh, and, right, 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 right. and uh, it shook me up a little bit because Tom Petty was someone like I was never into, but I always loved hearing him on the radio. So when he passed, I went and I picked up a bunch of his records. Yeah. I and, should say I, I got into him around the same time as Springsteen, thanks oh, to my stepdad. But yeah, continue. Nice. Continue. Yeah, and I got them, and I was blown away by what I've been missing out on, and I felt like, because he was someone I was like, oh yeah, I'll check him out eventually, and I never, you know, got the chance to, you know, check him out while he was alive, see him in concert, and it fucked me up a little bit, I'm like, well, there's certain artists that I have an appreciation for that I should probably check out while I can still enjoy them, and Springsteen was one of those artists, I went and I picked up uh, Born in the USA, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and High Hopes at Fingerprints right away. Oh, Fingerprints! Yep, I was in Long Beach. I I know that you've met, I'm a I was listening to the, uh, the the Depeche Mode episode, and you did mention Long Beach. I was actually at Finger. So, uh, we'll peek behind the curtain here if you yeah. if you'll allow me to get meta here. Of course. Um, the one. Uh, so we initially had the scheduled for yesterday. Yeah. Um, but I said, "Listen, man, there's this show that I've been really wanting to. That, that would be pretty important to me. Would it be possible for us to do it some other time? So we made today, and that show was actually. Uh, are you aware of a uh, Michael Cronin? I'm not, but like I read your tweet today, and I'm like, this guy sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I think if you're in, I, I'd say maybe if you're into like a Petty or a Spring Scene or something like that, you might get. It. He's he's like collaborating with like Ty, with like a Ty Siegel a lot. That's kind of what he's best known for. Hmm. Um, but uh, he had an album release show at uh, at at Fingerprints, uh, and I, I've actually I've ran. Sorry to get too off too much of a tangent, no, but I've actually that's kind of become a favorite of mine because I went to college in Long Beach, um, at Cal State. I just graduated oh. from there. Uh, and one of the stories I wrote for journalism stuff uh, was about the record store day performances at Fingerprints. So, I, like the fact the fact that we have like a record store overlapping here, that's cool. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, that's great. But I got those three albums, and I was really immediately taken with Born in the USA. That's the one I think that takes everybody first. Um, I was taken like I was blown away by it. Darkness on the Edge of Town. Took some time for me. Um, I think. I have an opinion about his earlier records, and that is, I think he got a be- to be a better singer as he got on. His voice was a little rougher, and like maybe not as uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His dictation was was not as good in the well, early days. Well, like, see, I well see if if you don't. I mean, I think that that I don't know. For me, that kind of adds to some of the charm because, like, the other big thing about those first two albums, like everything pre preborn to run, is that he would just he had so many words. Yeah, you know, like he he just ramble on about like uh, pig stick Johnny up on the block with with <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with Sam with his the, you, you know he, it was very Dylan-y with like all these like random characters right. that, that like barely had like a melody going on like the fact that he made Blinded by the Light like as compact as it was is kind of a miracle. Um, 
So, so but, but but yeah, I I do I do get how it would be a little a little harder to get into than you know the straight like pop songs on Born in the USA. Right, and then so after that, I started like googling and reading about him, and Tunnel of Love sounded fascinating to me because what amazed me about it first was this is the album after Born in the USA, and I've never heard of it. Like I feel I had this feeling like well, Born in the USA was this huge big blockbuster album. Why have I never heard about this one? Let's follow it up. Followed it up. So yeah. I bought it, and uh, I was immediately like struck by it. it's very minimal. It's very downbeat. Like there's kind of like a sense of sorrow I feel like that hangs over this record. You know, his marriage is ending, um, but there's a little bit of hope and that he's got a new relationship going on. He's kind of got a, and I think he's trying to look at how love works a little bit. And he said in an interview at the time that he's that these characters he writes about, you know, where do they go after you know Thunder Road and you know Born in the USA and Never Surrender? Where do they go after that? You know. This is kind of like these characters growing up, and I thought that was really interesting. So I immediately kind of like bonded with that record really heavily, and I don't know know why because not every, we'll find out in a little bit. Not every song on that record is my favorite, even though yeah. this is one of my favorite Springsteen albums. So it's going to be a very interesting track by track because it's the oh, record absolutely. I play the most, but it's not his most consistent record. Absolutely, and I'm very, I'm very glad you said that because I know you're. you're I'm, I'm gonna just flat out say it. I'm not sure if this would make my top ten albums of his. Ah, because which for any other artist but Springsteen would be a damning statement. Yeah. But you know, given the run he's had up until that point, like that's still kind of in the upper echelon, you know. Yeah. But like, for I'd say, you know, I, you know, in the process of going through all those. All, all the albums I hadn't gone to already, you know, for, uh, while going through the book, I, uh, ended up going on rate your music and putting in, uh, scores, track scores individually, in addition to album scores for everything. And I can just look at it right now and see, uh, that the, the, uh, albums I have scored higher than tunnel of love, uh, uh, wild, the innocent born to run darts on the edge of town, the river, Nebraska born in the USA, um, Ghost Tom Jode, The Rising, yeah. Magic. So it's like it would bear at best like barely scrape by in number ten. Wow! But that's only thinking about it in like, these kind of rigid yeah. numeric terms. But but just kind of, kind of giving a good idea. Like I do think this is a very solid album, and it's a, it's a very singular album for his for right. him. Obviously, as you were ta- as you were talking about, uh, especially, especially like in the production, you know right. how how distinctly eighties it is. Um, right. And and there are spots where like that. Connect, connects so hard, and I'm gonna say, the one thing that surprised me going through this record uh, for, you know, this recording here, is that you know when I listen, I was expecting that I would come to some more of a consensus on the album as a whole, but as I kind of picked the songs apart, I found that I found that my opinion track by track became more and more polarized. Actually, where the songs that I that I thought were just kind of okay became like, and the ones that. <laughs> And the ones I thought were great were like, oh my god, these are like actually undeniable classics that if you did not put them in your top 50, I would have words for you, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a similar feeling. I wasn't sure how to put it into words, though. Like, the songs that, like, weren't connecting with me, like, really were becoming background noise to me today while I was working. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you there. Okay, uh, so, I mean, so, uh, now, where do you want to go from there? Do you want to go straight into the I track I want to go track? straight into the track by track. Okay, and and we have a and, and I do, I did write down a, a good amount of notes, so feel free to shut me up at any time. Cool. Um, but uh, 
what I what I had. Oh yeah, I, I think that the other thing we should talk about before getting into the track by track is the behind this is like what went into this record because it was a really interesting process compared to you know his other albums because obviously he doesn't credit and the E Street Band to right. the other albums, so it's like for the casual listener, you know, who doesn't read liner notes, you might not have been aware, but this is effectively his first solo album. Like he, like he does most of the instruments with just like the occasional uh, E Street Band member popping in here and there for like drums or keyboards or something like that. But beyond that, it's like him doing most of the work. That's why you know you get it. it why that's probably adds to why it is so much more minimal, minimal and less like feeling like there's 10 people on stage like right. all the albums before this did like even born in the usa which did have more of an electronic focus like this kind of doubles down on that a lot like, more like someone and just how yeah sorry, i was just gonna say someone a lot of the instruments on here with you know patty pops up and sings vocals every now and then nils lofkin throws a guitar, guitar solo on one song you know it's very and what a solo it is oh my god we'll get there yeah. but yeah you were gonna say yeah uh, i mean that was really it, uh, I, I mean, like anything else, I suppose is just in is, is just in the track by tracks. Yeah, and I, w- I will say that one more thing about it. Like, I find it sure. interesting that you know this was a very, I'm sure, hard record for him to write. I'm sure some of this stuff. Um, and when he toured it, like, it was very much a presentation of the album. And now, these days, this thing is almost like non-existent when he goes out and plays. Like you yeah. might you might get one step closer if you're lucky even these days, but that's about well, it. See, I, I wanna bring back to that Grace Hits album, which is probably I wanna say maybe his best selling album. Maybe maybe more in the USA is a little more, maybe. but but you know, it's still like most people's first exposure that, that would be my age or like a decade older. Uh, and the only representation of this album you got you got like half of Born USA on there. But the only representation of this album on there is Brilliant Disguise. So, for, for, so for like a solid like four years or so between when I first got into him through that Great Hits album and when I finally checked out this thing, uh, that was the only thing I knew about it. Huh. Was, was that was that one song? Like I'd never heard uh, Tunnel of Love or One or One Step Up uh, or Tougher Than the Rest like on like classic rock radio or anything like that that, that I know of. So, so it, it's kind of interesting, like the the sort of legacy or lack thereof yeah. that that, that kind of has, and how like it really, it, really enough, it, for one of his popular albums, you wouldn't expect to call it like a cult classic in the same way as like a Nebraska, but I think for some people it kind of is, which is yeah. kind of cool in its own way. Oh yeah. All right, let's jump right in. Um, Ain't got you. Uh, love this little ditty. It starts a cappella with finger snaps, very minimal, like. We don't really get any more instruments other than like the finger snaps in his voice until the second verse, you could say. It's very short. Um, it's about someone, you know, that, you know, he's naming all these great things he, have, he has, but he doesn't have the girl or this love interest he's talking about. Um, I, I think it's a unique way to open the record, especially given that most of his records kind of have this bombast to start, start off, to start this minimal. I'm sure it was a shock for people, um, but yeah, I did uh, it. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, well... The thing that I realized, like, on listening to this, it's weird because I've heard, like, a, a ton of times before, obviously, but what kind of hit me now is that, you know, the, the guy has always, ha- you know, had his kind of 50s elvis idol worship, you know, yeah. to try to model himself after. I don't think it's ever been more blatant on any song of his than it's been here. Like, I don't think, I, I, yeah. to me, like, the influences going into the song couldn't go later than, like, 55. Yeah. 
maybe. Especially with, like, how, like, minimal and live-feeling it is compared to the rest. Like, it sounds like it was written in an afternoon. And for the follow-up to a super polished album like Born in the USA, it's it's a weird-as-hell lead-off track. I'll say that. Right, yeah. Like, not really rep- representative of even the song that will come right after. Yeah. I will say, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cute little ditty, you know? Uh, it kind of feels like a novelty B-side to me. Uh, not exactly one of my favorites, but, you know, I don't mind when it's on. Right, yeah. And I, I remember when I got the record, like, being shocked and like, whoa, whoa, okay. And then we go into Tougher Than The Rest, and I immediately knew we're, we're in for something totally different here. It's yes. another mellower song. Like, I was expecting after that, you know, something to punch up the energy a bit, but we get this. Um, this was a single in Europe only. Um, I love the wash of synth really? and drums on this one. Yeah, yeah, it's like an interest, like a little nugget of facts I have. Um, I love the wash of synth on this song. I love the drums, um, and I read online someone called this like the grown-up version of Thunder Road, and I thought that was an interesting little way to look at it. It is a love song, in very much in the same vein as Thunder Road, but it's a little more weary, a little more world-worn. There's also few, a lot fewer words. Than That's born, true. Than, than, than in Thunder Road. <laughs> It's a lot, it's a lot more straight, straightforward and to the point. Like if you want to give a good uh, contrast for like how we really pared things down to a more efficient form of lyric writing in, in like the decade between, you know, between Born to Run and and this, then this, that that would be a good case study, I'd say. It would be. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, like personally, I think this would have made a better open, just as far as not only representing the sound of the album, but like. How, how much of a better, like, slow burn it is, you know? I'd say yeah. it's definitely, it's one of the best of, like, this smoother, synthier direction. And for me, like, I think this, I think that, honestly, if this led off the record, it wouldn't, this album wouldn't have alienated as many people because it's sort of like the next logical step from a Dancing in the Dark or an I'm on Fire. Yeah. Which had that more kind of smooth, kind of bassy synth tone that just kind of swayed around, you know? Uh, just with a little more gated drum action in there. Yeah, um, and also, like, uh, f- for me, like, I w- even though, like, there's definitely more artists I can name that were influenced by, like, a, by, you know, Born to Run Darts on the Edge of Town, like, that's a little easier to call iconic. I'd say a song like this, I can immediately see how a song like this would have influenced someone like Jack Antonoff, for yeah. example. Not, o- not only with his, you know, production work that he's known for now, but, like, especially with, with the Bleachers, Mm-hmm. Uh, like how he kind of rides that slick groove without sort of sanding away that, I guess, that distinct Bruce charm, you know? It's a very tricky balance to, like, still have that personal stuff in there um, while still, you know, keeping it all polished and stuff. Uh, and it's just a really nice balance going on going on the mix right there, I suppose. And you can kind of see the influence today. Totally, totally. That, that's great, yeah. Never thought of that uh, before, but what a great comparison. I never thought we'd bring bleachers into the Bruce Springsteen episode. You're welcome. So thank you for that. Um, talk, to me, talk, talk to me if you do an episode on Amy Knight. <laughs> will do. Um, All That Heaven Will Allow. This one reminds me kind of lyrically of his older story-like songs, you know, talking to the bouncer, trying to get in. You know, it kind of like, in a way, sounds like something that could have been on one of the 70s records. Um, but it's in new clothes. This is one of the ones that didn't really stick with me. Um, unlike some of the other ones I'm going to talk about that didn't stick with me, this one I actually kind of, like, there's pieces of it I enjoy, like, I, I can kind of, like, it reminds me of growing up in a way, but just this one, it's on the weaker end of the 
top tier tracks, I think. I'm glad we agree on this. And and you're going to see, especially in this first half, um, my thoughts kind of whiplash from track to track because it's weird because for all intents and purposes, this does have a lot of the same elements as, as Tougher Than the Rest or even Ain't Got, Ain't Got You. But right. to me, I mean, compared to, to Tougher Than the Rest, like especially coming right after it, it kind of feels like a, just like a cornier redo of it with like a way more kind of trebly mix him singing in like this higher register that doesn't sound natural for him it's a it's it's very it's very awkward to me like it's yeah. got kind of a cute sense of storytelling and i can i can see the comparison in some of the details but like and, and i guess like there's this it kind of starts the like settling down moral that like that like i think resonates with a lot of people which we'll probably talk more about as the track list goes on but it just didn't really resonate with me all that much. Definitely one of my one of my least favorites on here. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but coming up next, we got one of my favorites. We got Spare Parts. Uh, this is another Europe only single. I love, I love this one. It's Why does Europe get all the good stuff? I know, right? <laughs> uh, what a great story song about a, a single mother that gets left by a douchebag guy, basically, and the struggle she goes through, and she gets to a point where she's ready to basically take her kid. And drown it in the river, but she kind of looks into the kid's eyes and like has a moment of you know like you know like it's gonna be okay. And she pawns her wedding ring and wedding dress, and there's a happy ending to this one. I love it. It's driving. Um, it's a classic Bruce Springsteen type of song, and what a great opening line. Bobby said he'd pull out. Bobby stayed in. Okay, I'm glad you narrowed down to that line specifically because I have such a story. About that. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said. I first got into this album when I was 11, 12, give or take, and this couldn't have been more than um, maybe a year since after I had had sex ed. Um, so I, um, let me think here. So that first verse, uh, that, that first stanza, I suppose, Bobby <laughs> saying pull out, Bobby stayed in, Janie had a baby, was an ace in, they were set to marry on a summer day, Bobby got scared and he ran away. Those last three lines, I understood. You know, the concept of a deadbeat dad, you know, I didn't get like a lot of the nuances behind that. You know, my parents divorced pretty amicable, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I got the concept and I was able to go with it for most of the rest of the song. I just assumed that he'd tack my rationalization for my fifth grade brain was probably just that just unconnected to everything. Bobby like was sitting in his garage and backed out for a second. Like, okay, I'm going to go get some groceries. <laughs> and then he was like, wait a minute, I already have eggs. And then, and then pulled back into the garage. <laughs> and it was only listening to it over the last year or so when I was like, Oh, he's talking about calm. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Clever, Bruce. Also gross, but okay. It's it's definitely one of his more graphic lines in that carnal, yeah. like in the carnal sense of things. Yeah, it's uh, like that and that and Reno. Yeah. That and uh, I, I I think of uh, part man, part monkey. Good point. Good point. Yeah, that one too. Uh, which fun fact was actually recorded during this time, but not included on the album. Huh. See, and like. I, I feel like that might have... I feel like putting that on this album might have helped. Like, if, if you put that on side two, because the thing is, this song is so good, but it is so out of place. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's always been, like, maybe my favorite on here. It's kind of neck and neck with a couple others we'll, we'll talk about later. But I just love... It, it, it has that just 
dirty country rock storytelling. And it's, it's me, it's really the only grit. So the only spot on here with like the grit of his storytelling from the seventies, you know, like our songs have the detail, but this one has just the kind of scuzz to it. That yeah. You find on maybe even the first couple albums. Yeah. I see. I see. What you mean there. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, cautious man. I've never really understood this song. I'm not sure what he's trying to say. Um, I like the delivery. I like the soft kind of Nebraska-esque delivery of the song. Um, and I like the I the airiness of the production, I guess. But it, it's beautifully performed. But I don't know. This one just doesn't do anything for me. Like, why is he waking up in the middle of the night and walking to the highway? And then coming back into the house and just, like, looking at his wife. Like, what does that even mean? See, I... See, I... It didn't really resonate with me, really enough, up until listening to it for this, and that's when yeah. I think it it elevated into. Not sure if it's top five quite, really, but it's close to it because because to me, I, I've grown to appreciate it. Uh, to, I, actually, funny thing, like sort of like how a song like Tougher Than the Rest is like a logical progression from from a Born in the USA. This one to me feels like a logical progression from Nebraska, but just mm. with that more eighties ish kind of production to it. Because yeah. like you know, it's very. It's a very hookless song, you know. It's just it's just storytelling with an acoustic guitar, maybe like a tiny bit of reverb. But it's it's very it's definitely the most minimal song here. Maybe tied with "Not You." Um, I mean, to me, it kind of ties into it's got this sort of pathos to it because to me, it's talking about this sort of neurotic, paranoid overthinker that you know sort of learns to ease up as he as he settles down. Settling down mm-hmm. being like a, a really recurring theme throughout this, and to me, that this is actually one of the more kind of resonant moments moments of that because you know he he has a dream where he screws everything up and and ruins his relationship by going out and screwing around but then he looks but then he he like you know looks at her and you, you know it's just like okay i'm i'm good and just kind of you know I never thought has, of just, has just has just a moment you know yeah and it's it's oh. it, i mean and i don't, I don't blame you for not because it's very it's a very show don't tell kind of storytelling yeah. song and and when he can nail that, because I think something that, like, he tends to, he something that, a trap that he tends to fall into the last, like, maybe 15 years or so occasionally is that he'll go too broad, is that he'll just say, like, hey, everyone, this is the empowerment moral of today. You know, this is your sword. This is your shield. <laughs> Basically. But, but, you know, but sort of, but... You know, a song, a song like this is just—it's got a lot of subtlety to it. You got to kind of let it sink in and kind of take in the images and kind of let yourself interpret it however you see fit. He could have seen it a completely different way, but I, but but like the, the idea of being the, of, of like you know worrying over things that aren't really worth worrying over, like that, that that that, that kind of hit with me. I can see myself in a position where I would be thinking in a similar way to to our boy Bill over here. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had a thought while you were talking about the about it like being a theological progression from Nebraska. I'm like this. I decided, okay, this is the prequel to Ghost of Tom Joad in a way. Interesting. That is a good way to look at that song. I think because it it would fit that album. It would fit it well. Maybe just throw in a few more immigration references. Yeah. <laughs> further for the record, I say that in the most positive way possible. That album is underrated. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Youngstown. Gives me chills. See that one. I that one. I I was always into. Uh, especially the live New York City version, um, but but yeah, I revit. I got into the album for the first time reading the book, and and like that when I was like, oh wow, 
it's nineteen it's nineteen ninety five, and he's talking about the plights of immigrants from Mexico. Bruce, you you're a woke king right now. He really is. He really was. Man, that was. Yeah. We stand. We stand. We stand, Bruce Springsteen. Exactly. Um, okay. All right, walk like a man. Uh, this one opens really gently. It's a song about kind of growing up and trying to follow the right path. I'm, I love the lyric, you know. Give me the strength. To, like, it's not. A, I'm not getting this exactly right, but something to the effect of, you know, give me the strength to walk like a man down the aisle, you know, right. as my bride, you know, comes down. Um, right. And I think that's great. Um, I love the lyrics. Um, if you strip it down a bit more, this could fit on Nebraska too. I think because like it kind of reminds me of, uh, I think my father's house. Like if you just took out the keys and stuff and some of the other instruments, it could, you know, fit nicely next to that. See, I think that this this is one we might diverge on because one because of one key detail. Because so, so, I remember a couple years ago, maybe it was around the, like the anniversary, thirtieth anniversary or so. Uh, I forgot which critic I follow on Twitter was it, it one of the Stevens. It could have been Stephen <laughs> Thomas or Weiner or Hayden. Um, but uh, shout out to one of them. Uh, he basically wrote an article saying that this is the the favorite Springsteen album of anyone who's married. And <laughs> one detail that you gave uh, in our conversation before this is that that is where, that is where our paths uh, diverge at this point as a soon to be 23 year old who's never hit a second date. Um, oh, wow. So, uh, I'm the call out there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, but, Say but, so, um, man. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, man. I just canceled the Bumble subscription. And like, <laughs> I just gave up, you know? It just uh, wasn't worth the 25 a month. <laughs> hey, 23 is about when... No, wait. I'm, I take it back. I met my wife when I was 21. Never mind. Continue. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, um, God, if, if, I, if, oh, if I went into any more detail there, you'd have to delete so much footage. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, I guess, like, I guess I can, I can accept that this one is just not for me. Like, yeah. I feel like I would have to be married to really appreciate this one. Like, the message is sweet enough, but I kind of have a sense of big distance from it. And I guess my other big gripe, uh, aside from that, is the, is the synth tone is just really chintzy and kind of, and kind of like, aggressively 1987. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, to me, it's like the only time where it get where the album gets overbearing in its, like, datedness and, like, adult contemporary vibes. Right. It, it's just very sedate and again adult contemporary in a way that just doesn't doesn't grip me personally but you know if, 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 if it does hit a certain core with you then i, yeah. I definitely understand just yeah, i get that eh, kind of kind of mid to lower tier one on the record for me different strokes for different folks and yeah. uh also i'll say new jersey air supply because you said adult contemporary <laughs> <laughs> now, okay now you gotta make that your display name on twitter <laughs> <laughs> new, new jersey air supply <laughs> That's brilliant. All right. Now let's move on to possibly, this might tie with another song from my favorite, but okay. uh, Tunnel of can I, Love. Can I just say, I, I know you've started off. I'm going to say the production is dated as hell here, but it slaps so hard that I don't care. Oh, man. I know, right? Those drums, those drums, that guitar solo. With, with the, the drum work with that ultra gated hi-hat and the 16th note hi-hats and that. And that noisy as hell guitar solo from Nils, just cutting in, just just inject that shit in my veins, oh, yeah. you know, like an insulin shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I'm diabetic. I can make oh. a joke. <laughs> oh man, that's it. 
Okay. Yeah. No, and, I, and keep in mind, I, I wrote the notes saying all of that, <laughs> and, and and that was before the halfway point of the song. Oh, we wow. still, it's still another two and a half minutes, and it yeah. just keeps justifying itself. Yeah, it does. Sorry. Um, go ahead. Yeah, like just every time I hear this song, like it sticks with me for the rest of the day. Like if I decide to pull it up when I'm walking in the morning, like if I pull up a Bruce Springsteen song, and this is what I land on. I, it's there the rest of the day. Like, this song's just fucking incre- incredible. It's comparing a relationship kind of to, like, a carnival ride. And, uh, once again, I wish I would have written down some of the lyrics, but, you yeah, I, know. I mean, I wrote, I wrote down a lyric for this one. And, Let, I, I mean, I guess, it's me, like, this is, there's, uh, this is one that I forgot was, this is one I end up boosting the rating of. Because, like, I, because I kind of forgot how brilliant it was. And maybe because I've been, I've been having more kind, more kind of, Going into a little too deep, crushes uh, personal life stuff uh, over over, <laughs> less, over over recent times. So I feel like songs like this have that like go all in on this stuff like this have like kind of resonated with me a little more. Uh, like there's a few brilliantly kind of swoon worthy flirt lines. Like the one I've quoted here is the lights go out and it's just three of us, you and me, and all the stuff we're so, so scared, scared of. Up. And just like that running carnival metaphor, it's just, it just gives it that, that right amount of playfulness. You know right. what I'm saying? It keeps it from getting too serious, like it's a, yeah. Which like, I feel like some of this record can kind of can kind of fall into the trap of and like kind of kind of alienate someone that's just looking for the bops. Right, exactly. This is a song like I feel like this would be a great show opener for him. Like this would be a great Ooh, song. Like you, you hear you hear the keyboard part start, and then the curtain comes up, and then he comes out. It just I could see that in my mind. I think that would be incredible. I mean, especially, and with Nils coming in, like, it would involve the band. It's got, it's got some great drum work. Like, it's not, it's not, like, even though it's, the the the, the ethos of it is the most maybe synth poppy on the album, like, it's still got a live feel to it. You know, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. You could use at least six of those ten people. Totally. Totally. And, I mean, and, and I, will, I will throw in one more side note that's unrelated to anything. Because uh, I, I have the vinyl copy with me here. Nice. Uh, and... I love, I was looking through the liner notes, reading the lyrics to this, and I love that in the liner notes beneath most of the E Street band that's playing on this, it credits the Schiffer family for Roller Coaster, Point Pleasant <laughs> Beach, New Jersey. That I love, yeah, that is great. One yeah. of my favorite album credits of all time. Oh, so you knew about that? I did, I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, just never, um, I don't know why I didn't think to write that down, but I did know that was there. Yeah, like that—that's a cute little touch. But, uh, but, but, uh, yeah. I mean, do you want do you want to move on? Do you have anything else to say on that? Um, I'll just say, like, if you're not sure, like, if you just want to sample this album, sample this song because yes, yes, yes. this will give you a good taste of what what you're in for. A little bit of everything, a little bit of classic, a little bit of new Springsteen, um, and just all kinds of greatness. Just ear candy to the, to its fullest extent. Yeah, and and like. I'd say, like, it's also a good litmus test where, like, if this is 280s for your, you know, if you're, like, a purist for the, the darkness sound and, like, you just are opposed to anything synthy, like, use this as a litmus test. Like, if yeah. this, if this, if this grates on you with the, then, like, the rest of this album might be a bumpy ride. But, like, if you can get into, you know, the, the inner Bruce within it all, then you, you, you'll have a good time. If this is too much for you, please proceed to Lucky Town. No one should proceed to Lucky Town. <laughs> I fucking love Lucky Town, man. It's one of my favorite oh, Springsteen see, albums. Okay, okay. I was going to say this for the end, but I was going to say, I have written down at my last note here, I was going to say, 
look, at the end of the day, we can all agree it's better than human touch and looking time. <laughs> it's better than human touch. No, we don't even have that. It's better than human touch. Most things are better than human touch. Um, but I really dig Lucky Town. That might just be because that was, uh, so the only ones I had for a long time, I'm, by the way, for the record, I don't know if you know this about me, but I've said this on the podcast before. I don't use Spotify and I don't download. I only listen to my physical shit or what I've ripped to my iPod. So, I can respect that. So, um, for a long time, I only had Born in the USA, Tunnel of Love, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and High Hopes. And then for Christmas one year, my wife, then girlfriend, got me Lucky Town, Nebraska, and Ghost of Tom Joad. And I really connected with Lucky Town for some reason. That's a record I play a lot. So tell, maybe it's just. Tell, tell me the first time you heard Human Touch. Just tell me. <laughs> I actually have a funny story about Human Touch I forgot about till now. So. Wow, uh, something positive came out of Human Touch? Well, what thought? The, the, it's only positive in that, like, I didn't totally hate it and get rid of the CD at the time, but, uh, so my mom, so in North Dakota, there's, uh, the Native Americans do a thing called powwow days, where, like, there's, a, built around all of this Native American culture is, like, rummage sailing. And, uh, my mom would get me, like, used CDs, and one year she got me, like, a box of just a bunch of random rock CDs, and one of the ones in there was Human Touch by Bruce Springsteen. It's a very bargain, bargain bin, two dollar kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I think she's always like I paid like a dollar for the whole box or something like that. But uh, uh, that was in there. I'm like, oh, I like dancing in the dark and I'm on fire. Let me give this a try. And the album cover is similar enough to Born in the USA. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking like, how bad can it be? And I just found, I, I found it very just meh. It's there. It's a Bruce Springsteen album. I never oh, got rid of the CD. I still have it, but it's, huh. I'll put it like this. I was mentioning that I was getting into each album I hadn't heard yet uh, bef- at, with the book, and this included both of the 1992 albums. He talked about Born, Tunnel of Love, you know, you know, getting into, you know, the, the thematic core behind that. He kind of did a little deep dive with, like, some songs on each of the previous albums. Then he was going to, like, the transitions to the 90s, and then Chapter 23, Ghost Tom Joad. I was like, oh, he just, he just, he just revisionist history. <laughs> two whole albums. We don't we talk about not, those. <laughs> we don't talk about those. And then I, I wound up finding a clip of him talking at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, but, uh, uh, maybe it was his original induction speech where he was like, yeah, I don't write a lot of happy songs. I tried doing that in the 90s. It didn't really work out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was, yeah. channels and no, what the fuck are you doing, Bruce? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What, what song were you doing there? Fifty-seven channels. And oh yeah, that is that, that, that. In real man are like the tie, the tie for the, the neck and neck for the worst song of his. Yeah. And both on the same album. How convenient. And uh, I, I, I think Pony Man may be a little worse than Real Man, but that's just me. Pony Man is that from the same album? That is. That's the last song. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I I really didn't mind that one compared to Theater with I guess it was just like from so much. I guess like the bar was just set so low that I was like, "Oh thank, oh thank God, this, this isn't like embarrassing. It just kind of exists." When you've got Gordon Lightfoot's Pony Man to compare it to, it just kind of falls flat. That's 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 fair. At least it, it has that title track, but then there's just like an hour more where it's like, "I get it. We're in the CD era. You can do that, but also <laughs> don't." Please don't. You, you you were so obsessed with whether you could, you didn't stop thinking about whether you should. I mean. It would have been another year until that reference became a thing. Like maybe, maybe like Jeff Goldblum was just was just uh, at the record store, and he, that was just his, his way of sneaking in an album review 
for human touch into the script <laughs> of Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. What a, what a great, by the way, what a great little derailment. I love it. That's staying in. That whole thing is staying in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I hosted a podcast for, for, for like a, a couple of years now. I know how to, I know how to tangent, my good friend. <laughs> and you do it well. Stick, stick with me, and I'll show you how to... How to need timestamps in the description of your YouTube upload? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> two faces, um, an acoustic-based song. Um, another, I like it, but I don't have much to say about it. It's kind yeah, of it, like you said; it's kind of fillery. It's pl- it's it's solid. It's pleasant enough. Like I, I can dig it as like a pleasant filler, but. My only real issue is is I mean it's also as a, is that you know kind of like a really a lot of these songs have really kind of basic song structures which works better in some cases than others. In this case, it just kind of makes it really predictable, uh, and it's also got another really chintzy synth tone coming in toward the end. I did like the guitar solo. Though. I will give the song that. I like that the cool. guitar solo. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, not much. Uh, to uh, say uh, about that nothing. One. Nothing. When guitars do pop up on this record, they they never go wrong. They I can do. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now we got to talk about like the, the one that like if if you know anything from this album it's it's probably it's big yeah, brilliant disguise and it was the first single too. Um, this is a good song um, and I like it. I've noticed that if I come to this song just as to hear the song, I like it more than when I'm listening to the album because at this point in the record it feels a little samey. Um, it's a really good song, but I don't know what it is at this point in the record. I, I just always feel like. Can we get to the next song, please? Because that's the one I'm here for. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to, to me, like this, 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 like, just combines. I, I, I totally understand why this was the the one big single because yeah, it it, it kind of it combines all of the good things from the previous songs to me. Like, it doesn't detract from the sameness, but it also just like it has the bop quality of a tunnel of love, or or like or like a to a lesser extent maybe maybe suffer than the rest. Uh, and it's got sort of the emotional core of like a cautious man, uh, or, or or something like that. And it also adds in this kind of breakup angle that isn't really in there, in in the, uh, in a lot of the other songs, at least a little bit. At least like sort of like tension in the relationship, so it's not like all straight up, you know, settling down, mature ass, yeah. you know, love songs. <laughs> uh, so it add, it adds a, a little other element there, and also. This is a minor thing, but I do love that you don't get a lot of straight pop songs that end on like an epilogue verse. That's true. That's not something you normally put in a pop song like this. And this is like a little touch where it's like, and it's, I've, I've heard the song dozens and dozens of times. And it's like every time it's like, oh yeah, there's this coming up. Cool. You know? Nice. Yeah. But like yeah, I so, said, this, so this, this is definitely one of, one of my favorites. On and I don't, I don't blame you. Like I said, not a bad song, just. I'm always too excited for what's coming next, and that is one step up. This is one of my all-time favorite Springsteen songs. Um, a song fe- about feeling like you're not making progress in a relationship. I love the instrumentation. It's so hypnotic. Like I could just live in this like guitar and program drum swell forever. It just feels so good. I could get lost in it. I love Patty's background vocals, and I have a funny story of how I came to this song originally. Um, so my mom... Uh, like I said, my dad was the classic rock guy. My mom was the modern country person, and she loved her some Kenny Chesney. Um, and did Ken- Kenny Chesney do this song? He did, uh, and it was on an album huh. called No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problems. Of and course it's called that. Of yeah. course it's called <laughs> My mom used to play that in the car all the time when I was a kid, and for a long time, I thought this was a Kenny Chesney song. I'm like, like not really a Kenny Chesney fan, but I do dig that one song. I would, it was weird, because I would go 
back to that song over the years. Like when YouTube became a thing, I used to pull up his version and listen to it because I was like, I never did a song quite as good as this one. And then <laughs> I got this Tunnel of Love album, and that song starts. I'm like, son of a bitch! No way! Oh, that's why it's I so good. I never liked. I never liked you, Chesney. How could you do this? Yeah, I was like, it makes sense now. That's why I like that song. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, is it a, is it a good is it a good version now that you've uh, heard this one? I re-listened to it today for the first time in years, and his delivery feels very flat to me now. Honestly, like what grabbed me when I was a kid is like I could even hear in the lyrics then, like, like you know, he's trying to work through something, and that even stuck out to me then. But just his delivery feels a little flat. It doesn't feel as emotional. Um, good guitar in it, I'll give it that. But it's too similar to the original. He's even got the girl background vocals going, One step up in, two step up. It's not the same. Yeah, it's very similar. So and I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to if if you put if you put in like like a, a song if you tag in a song in, in the outro as you're saying bye. Like, like, like that might that might be it. Uh, but, but I mean, I didn't really have as many notes for this one. I think it's, I do think it's great. Uh, obviously, I think it's just like a, a great mood piece to get depressed to. Um, <laughs> and like, I, I do kind of like what I think really stands out about this one is that it's not really a clear story in the same way that a lot of the other ones here are, or even like a like a narrative piece. It's more just like a set of images sort of spread around to relate to just the general emotion. Being tried to con- being conveyed here, and and it and it works pretty effectively. It does. Uh, it's not it's not like his like normal form of storytelling. I guess I guess spare parts is something kind of similar, but even that's more more of a straight linear story. This one just kind of just kind of sets Im- sets imagery to a vibe, it's a- and that's and, and, which fits sort of like the languid like just get lost in it kind of kind of production. Going in, on. in a way, it could be like a free formy dashboard confessional type song. I have not gotten into Dashboard Confessional, but I'll, I'll take your word for All it. All right. All right. Well, I, I literally <laughs> only, I, I mean. I'm trying to think of some, some good advice. Is, to is, is, there a song, is there a song here where he talks about being, uh, I, I was trying to make a roundabout reference to Vindicated since that's the only song I know from <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. I've upset in so many emos. I'm sorry. It's all right. No, that's all it's, right. I, I'm putting that in squarely on me. If it, if it makes you feel any better, I did not grow up listening to the emo music. I was strictly stuck in my classic rock ways. And then I met my girlfriend, now wife, and she introduced me to all that music that I missed out on, like the census fails and the dashboard nice specials. And, and for the record, I do not use emo. I do not use emo in a derogatory sense. No, no I'm into a plenty, a, plunt, a plenty amount, even in like that sad boy singer songwriter kind of vein. I only I only started getting into Bright Eyes this past year after people compared my last EP to him. Hmm. So that's cool. Interesting. But right. that's a whole whole thing. Um now the last now the next song is the one that I when, when I said I when I <laughs> I was DMing you earlier and I said I have thoughts <laughs> in that tone. This is the the, the one that I was referring to interesting i this is the song when you're alone um I, do, you, do you now that i set it up with that do you want do you want me to start or do you want to um i'll just i'll, do, I'll and, keep and, I'll and, have, and have me crush your dreams uh, I, I'll, I'll keep it short i love this song um it kind of reminds me of brooks and dunn in some weird way in that chorus when you're alone you're alone um i i, I dig it it's very minimal um I don't know. It, it, it's a song that sticks with me. Um, I dig this one, but I'm 
ready for to take the uh, the destruction yeah. that's coming. So, hammer time. Uh, yeah, this is like if we were going just on on the vibe and like the groove and stuff like that, I'd, I'd say it was serviceable for this record. But this is probably my least favorite, just because it's the only one where I really dislike the message of the lyrics. It's got this. It's just, it's got this really vindictive, like you're nothing without me. You're gonna come running back, you know, sort of, sort of attitude to it that like encourages this like toxic kind of codependence. I know I'm, I'm coding this in all kinds of social justice. 2019, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm very aware of that. Yeah. But but, but and, and like you know you got to go into it with with the brain salt. Like he uses you know the term young girl a lot on like conscious man. Like I just learned to overlook that. But like the, just the the. I guess the theme of the of this song and like it's be, how it's being framed is like a truth and like something that should be celebrated with this kind of sweet eighties little contemporary kind of backdrop. I don't know, like it's, it's just kind of kind of ugly to me. I suppose. I can see where you're coming from. I I, I see that. I see that. I don't know. It's just it sticks with me. And I, I, I get it. Like if you're not really paying attention, if you're not overanalyzing, if you're not nitpicking it, like yeah, me. I, yeah, and maybe and, I don't know. I, I I will admit I've had my heart broken by some some people where. I, I do uh, I, I do try to let it go. Like, you'll be sorry. So maybe that's why I like it. And and, and some some good songs have been written in that kind of vein, but I feel like those have like at least a little more bite to them. Yeah. So it's like you can kind of embrace the toxicity of it and kind of yeah. let it take over your id. But like, I don't know, in this case, I feel like it's meant to be presented as something a little more kind of like pleasant. We can all agree with the sentiment. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's just my yeah. annoying hot take. And that's, why, and that's why you're here, because I want to hear your opinions and thoughts on this. Thank uh, you. And also, final track, Valentine's Day. Uh, interesting bluesy or country-ish sounding song to end the record on. Um, to me, this, this, there, I hear like a glint of hope in this song. Uh, however fa- faded it may be, it's in there. I love the little mandolin in the background, and I think it's a good way to end the record. I I guess I I can't muster up any kind of feelings on this one. Like I try to fall. I think like this has happened anytime I tried to read long lyrics of the song, where like I just kind of I just kind of doze off after a while because it just kind of stays the same way for about five minutes, and it to me it doesn't really earn those five minutes. Like it's it's pleasant, but it's just just kind of boring to yeah. me as as far as closer goes. Like I like I can appreciate it kind of riding you out, you know. So it's it's far from like a a least favorite, least favorite on here, but I see real, no real reason why I would want to return to this song specifically. But like, if it's if, if it's if it conjures up a vibe for you, then then I understand. Yeah, I get that. Like, I'll, I will say this: it's not something I would go to like just singularly. Like, I'm gonna it's gonna be when I'm listening to the album. It's not gonna be like when I just have time to hear a Springsteen song. So I will say that. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, but, but but yeah, you know what's funny? Now we're rounding this up. Is that I started out is that like I said, I I have this at the same rating that I did before at a three point five out of five, seven out of ten. Yeah. But even though I end up moving a lot of songs either up or down, like and things just became more more polarized. So now things go from like a two point five to a four point five, with like four songs being at a four point five and three of them being at a two point five, and then just like a couple three point fives in between. It's which it's not really that interesting when I put it that that way no i get that like I, i've noticed you're very on twitter you're very um spreadsheeting about y- your music reviews these days Ooh, yeah. which is interesting yeah, yeah. to me um i thought it was cool cool because like I, I will follow that thread and like i'll see like oh he posted the review for the 
the regrets or the black people or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, like, I wouldn't even call those reviews necessarily. It's more just kind of recapping, like, hey, I don't put out videos on extensive videos on the stuff I'm listening to, but if you want to know the few things from this year that I'm on, uh, add me on Rate Your Music at Fully Involved Mark. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. I need to set up an account there. Oh yeah, I, I, I feel like you. I feel like you'd really go down the rabbit hole. Oh, I, I would probably disappear forever. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as you're not like writing reviews for everything, then, then you, you should be alright. <laughs> no, I, I, I have strong feelings on some on some things, but other stuff, I'm willing to let slide. Um, yeah, but but, yeah. but 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 uh, yeah, like again, like I know that I've kind of expressed a lot of like eh feelings uh, throughout <laughs> some of the songs, but like yeah. the fact is, tougher than the rest, spare parts, tunnel of love, brilliant disguise, and I I, I throw one step up in there too. Like those are all without question classics. Of Absolutely. That, like, if you did not include those in a top 50, the only excuse would be that you have a bl- a blanket dislike of 80s production. That's it. Yeah. Like, other than that, I would have, again, words for you. That's a good, yeah. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. For, like, I think it, it takes, I don't know if it takes you, I don't necessarily know if you have to be married to love this album, but um, I do think it's a, it sticks with certain people more than it does others, and... It stuck with me. It continues to stick with me. It continues to be one that I revisit frequently, even as this year I've kind of finally been diving even deeper than I had initially. Like this year, like I just got uh, Born to Run, The River, uh, and a few others for the first time. So uh, now I'm now now I'm wondering, uh, have you? So which albums of his haven't you heard yet? I haven't heard uh, a lot of the new stuff. I haven't heard The Rising. I haven't heard. Uh, oh, you got you, you got to listen to The Rising. I feel like. People kind of pigeonhole that album as like the 9/11 album, yeah. and it kind of is. But also, like most of it was written before 9/11, so it's just weird timing. But like, it's it's 15 songs long, and unlike a certain other over hour long record, like <laughs> that one earns it. That one earns it. Good. Uh, there, there's one piece of crap song like right in the middle, but like all around that are just like I I'd probably put in my top three of those. Yeah, I, I think from like uh, what I'm missing right now is from. The Rising through the record right before High Hopes. I haven't heard. Uh, Wrecking Ball. Oh, that one. That, that's another interesting one. It's. Yeah. It's. I wouldn't put it in all time favorites. I'd probably put it on a similar tier as, as this one. But it's very uniquely political. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say that. Like, if you want, if you think, if you found that High Hopes was just a little too broad and cheery and like you know, it ends with uh, a suicide. Sa- 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 sound. Sound. Soundtrack to soundtracks to the Obama campaign, you know, for you. Then Wrecking Balls has a, has a little more grit to it. It's got a little know. more kind of some. Some of it's almost like kind of Irish bar song vibes at I'll times. Dig, I'll, I'll dig that. Like I'll it's dig it's, that. it's 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 a, it's a it's an interesting lesson. I, I, and it was after working on Dream, it was like the, the first. It was like the first like new album of his that I got after getting into him. And now, and it's 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 an interesting one. I'll just say that. Nice. And uh, yeah, like I said, nothing between the rising and high hopes that I heard. So that no no secret sessions, Ma- no devils oh. and dust. No magic, magic is great too. Magic yeah. is great too. Yeah, um, I'll say this for high hopes. Um, I never thought of it as the Obama campaign soundtrack, like especially because it ends with that suicide cover. Dream, baby, dream. Yeah, I, I, well, but, but, I mean, true, but like I mean, the song itself, like if you didn't know, it was from a band called oh. Suicide. Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like the kind of broad empowerment-y, yeah. you know, you know, not, it, not really alienating 
the the Republican side, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should re-listen to that. It's been a hot minute since I played that album, so I should give that another shot. Um, real quick, to kind of bring this all home, he did put out a new record this year, Western Stars, I've been living with it all year. Um, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Like, I'm prepping for my end-of-year episode, and I still don't know where this thing fully stands for me. Do you have any thoughts on it? I'm going to say full disclosure, I've only heard it once at this point. I heard okay. it, because um, I got it uh, I got it at Amoeba, um, and nice. I listened, yeah, um, because I live uh, about like I, be, I live like an hour drive south from there, basically. Uh, I miss uh, so much. In, in, in case you want to know where I live, uh, <laughs> I mean, I get up to LA sometimes, so it's 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 okay. Um, Anaheim's a very big city; you'll never find me. Um, but uh, <laughs> tr- tr- I got so many mouse merch pieces blocking me. That doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> but um, but, but and anyway, um, I listened to it on the drive down from there. Um, a couple months ago, and I haven't gotten to it since. But like, I really don't want to because it's it struck a weird chord for me because I feel like I'm I'm gonna like it, but at the same time, like it's in this weird balance where it's very hookless, with the exception yeah. of like one or two songs. You know, in, in in that sense, you could compare it to like a Nebraska or a Ghost Tom Joad or or a Devils and Dust, but it's also not like raw enough sonically to like hit that same resonant point. So it just kind of floats you know yeah so i'm I'm very and i I haven't like dive in dove into whatever the word is uh i haven't really dived into the lyrics uh into the narratives and stuff much which i feel like you know a lot that would be one of those albums where the meat is really in that so i'm curious if that'll if that'll add something right now i i couldn't hum you a melody um maybe hello sunshine a little bit but yeah, I'm. I am curious how that'll that'll shake up for me, uh, and how that'll that, how that'll rank for me. Because I, I I've seen a lot of critics, and of course, you know, critics love yeah. Andrew Springsteen. <laughs> who would have thought? Um, wow, who would have thought Rolling Stone would give it a five out of five? <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I'm 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 curious how this is gonna how how this is gonna go. I guess I guess I'll I'll, I'll just leave it. I will, the only difference I'll say between me and you is there are a few songs that like stick in my head. Sleepy Joe's Cafe. Western stars they stick out for me big time, but uh, yeah, I, I I feel like I need to spend more time with it, and I'm gonna get an interesting new take on it tomorrow. Amazon informed me before we started this that my uh, CD of the Western Stars film soundtrack will be arriving tomorrow, Ooh. so I'll give that an int- I'll give that a listen and see if hearing the songs in a live setting does anything different for me. Nice, I I, I gotta I, I if that's if that movie's playing in a theater near me, and I gotta see it. It was it was last playing on Wednesday, so I didn't. Get the chance to see it. I was busy. But. Okay, gotcha. If, yeah. if if it's if it's playing around, then 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 go go to BruceSpringsteen.com for hey, go to, get your tickets. Use promo code SlyDog for <laughs> for twenty percent off. A fat man will take your money and from your hand, while his eyes take a walk all over your girlfriend or significant other. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah. Any 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 other any other. Uh, that's about, about it. I'd, I'd just like to say thank you for coming on and doing doing this. I, I feel like it was very random in the way I reached out to you, but I, I you just seem perfect for this. And I, like I said, oh, of course, I, I've of been listening to you for a while. Um, I'm praying that Honky Chat comes back someday because I'm dying to hear you talk about my favorite Elton John album, 21 of 33. So I'm pr- so, so praying for that. Con- context for you guys. Honky Chat was a, was a, I guess a spinoff podcast from Mad Sounds that I'd launched for about two episodes with a buddy of mine, uh, Steffi, before realizing, wait a minute, 
I could do more productive things. Uh, but, 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 but because of, you know, I was still doing like you know college classes and writing and you know writing articles for the OC Music League and stuff like that, and so I wound up uh, basically canning it after about three episodes. Um, but I would love to get get to more of it since I still stocked up on Elton albums that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, and God, if I could do a full episode on, on Victim of Love, ooh, baby. Um, <laughs> oh my God, that record. If oh. you know, if you know, you know. Yeah, and if, um, and if you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> that that eight-minute Johnny B. Good co- disco cover, ooh. What's ooh. worse is, what's worse for me, at least, was I didn't know going into it. Like, this year, I just decided I'm finally going to not be a Greatest Hits fan and just get some of his records, and I was... And that's the first one you got, to. Actually, no, but it wasn't one, okay. the first one, but I was loving what I heard. I'd heard Mad Mad Across the Water, Honky, Honky Chateau. Uh, the first record really sticks with me. The, the, the self-title, not the Empty Sky one. Not that. Okay, I was going to say Empty Sky is a, is, is, is a weird one. Yeah, it's a weird record. Um, and those all really stuck with, stuck with me, and then I, w- I was like, let me try something a little more late 70s, because one of my favorite albums is uh, an early 80s album called 21 at 33, so, I haven't that one yet. Yeah, a, a Little Genie is a great song. But I was like, okay, um, well, the record before it is Victim of Love. How bad can that be? I mean, it might be similar in tone or sound or something like that. And, oh boy, Euro Disco, people. I mean, I, did, did you listen to the episode of Mad Sounds where I, tucked, where I touched on where I, where I touched on that album? Um, I think I don't think I missed that one. Or if I, if I heard it, it didn't register with me. I listened to a lot of podcasts while I work. So sometimes I miss stuff, so I might have That's mi- fair. missed that. If, if you go to, and who knows, if I do relaunch Honky Chat at some point, we might go over this again, but if you, you go to the Wikipedia page for Victim of Love, it is depressing. Just like the <laughs> objective facts surrounding it. Like, there was no performances he did. If you look at the LP, it's literally, he, it's just this picture of him in sunglasses on the front cover, yeah. and on the back, it's just that same picture of him bored in sunglasses, but in, but in color. <laughs> Basically, and like uh, he, he played no instruments on it. You know, obviously Bernie wasn't there, and it and it he never played any songs from it live outside one TV show appearance. Yeah, it's so like it's just it just kind of exists in this weird, just erased by history sense. When his book comes out, which is by the way, it's coming out soon. Soon yeah. the chapters will go. Single man, 21 and 33, victim of love does not exist. <laughs> Although luckily, uh, you know, it, it'll only be like, because he put out albums like every goddamn six months, like, right? it, it won't feel like a jump. No, it, it'll, it'll, um, feel, it'll feel perfectly transitional. I'm going to say, um, shout out one time to Steffi, my uh, co-host on, on, on that. Uh, we still talk all the time. Uh, and uh, she was telling me that she's been listening to the audiobook of Elton's book, which uh, he did not narrate. Uh, they got the guy that played him in Rocket Man to do it. Oh, Taron Egerton. Yeah. Uh, which I haven't seen. I, I never got around to the movie, and I feel like a bad fan for doing that, um, for, for for missing it. But like, I, I do have a thing sometimes with like autobiographies where it's like if it's not being read by the person it was written by, then I feel a weird sense of distance, you know. Hmm. But if he does a good enough impression, then I suppose I get past it. Um, I'm just, I'm just personally, uh, I got Debbie Harry's book a little higher on the priorities for me right now. I get that. Like, it, it's Blondie, how can you not? Yeah, I, I, and that was another concert I saw this summer. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was jealous, because I wanted to go to that, but, um, money for the wedding. So, okay. 
to wrap this all up, like we, we both, you know, have a lot Hang of on, my man. I, uh, I got one more point to bring up before we stop this recording right here. All right. I, uh, so, like I said, I listened to a couple previous episodes. I haven't binged the entire back catalog. Mm-hmm. I will at some point. Um, but, so, one thing that we have done in common is that we have both paid tribute to one Mr. Rick Ocasek in yes. some form. You had your episode, uh, and I, I so, as, under my fully involved project, uh, sort of between releases of original stuff, I've been putting out these one-off covers. And uh, the first one, the one I did before, was a little Nas X cover, because obviously. Um, and then uh, the one I just put out about a week ago or so, because it's been about a month in the works, is that I, co- I did a co- I decided to cover, I decided to combine two, the two things that Rick Ocasek is best known for as far as his contributions to the rock music canon. I did, I basically did You're All I've Got Tonight in the style of Weezer's Blue Album. Hmm. I saw that, yeah. I saw you post something like that. I didn't realize it was you. I thought, oh wait, just the full record? I need to sit down and listen to this sometime. Let me save that. Yeah, well, but, it, well oh, oh no, well, you, th- you think I did it in the style of My Name is Jonas, then in the style of No One Else, then in the style of... You, basically, yeah, that's what I thought. I like, that would be how that would have been brilliant, but I could I could not have done that in a month. No. Um, but but no. Uh, now circling back around to your tribute episode, um, you touched on many things involving Mr. Okasic. Yes. You played songs from from Candio, from Panorama, from uh, from Heartbeat City, from Door to Door, from four solo albums. Tell me how many times in the course of that nearly two hour podcast. Did the word Weezer escape your lips? <laughs> Zero. And let me tell I you why. My, I, re- I rest my case. And let me let me tell you why. And this will be a fun little way to this end This is inexcusable, quite frankly. I'm I'm still a new Weezer fan. I started listening, actually right around the t- same time I started listening to Bruce. Um, I started watching uh, Crash's... Crash, I don't know if you know Crash Thompson is. I started watching his videos on YouTube. I'm, I'm, I mean, are you talking to me or like the general audience? Because I'm buds with the guy. Oh yeah, I know you are, but like, like to the world in general, like. Right, I, right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, I saw. I, I, I think I seem to remember you two talking about a B fifty two sponsor or something. Um, well, yeah, yeah. It was what was when I, when I saw the B fifty two at this festival, and it was the first time I ever moshed. Like, what a great way to mosh! But, but yeah, I, his videos like combined with like I always thought of Weezer, um, because I'm like. The first Weezer song I ever heard was Beverly Hills. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Mm. And then Pork and Beans. Okay, say, say, say no more. I, I, I understand everything now. Yeah, so I always thought they're like, they're this cool little pop band, but, you know, no need for me to go any deeper until years later. Like, oh, oh, okay. So they're, 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 they're deeper than this. Okay. Oh, they invented emo. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, the first time I heard Pinkerton, my jaw had the floor. Yeah, like... Yeah, so, like, no, like, I always thought, thought, like, I thought Ratitude was a representation of what that band was. Let me put you like that. That's what um, I thought. Okay, now I'm going to have to stop the recording, just so you don't have to see me throw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Because that, that, that was what I remember gro- growing up. I don't remember My Name is Jonas. I remember Can't Stop Partying and Pork and Beans and stuff like I that. G- I guess, like, it could be worth, you, you could have first heard of them through their collab video with fred i don't know but, like it doesn't it, it, it hurley was a weird time um although but, i do love memories i gotta throw that out there feature featuring the cast of jackass yes yes 
Um, but, but, um, but I mean, in that respect, I, I guess I, I can understand. But that said, like, you know, you're talking about erasure of Say It Ain't So, of Buddy Holly, of <laughs> Island the Sun, of Hash Pipe, of the, the fr- frankly incredible Everything Will Be All Right in the End, you know? With, 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 that doesn't have like the, the iconic singles, but it damn well should. Yeah, uh, it definitely it should have gotten more success than the than the Teal album. Um, <laughs> oh God, know. the Teal album. Uh, Please tell me that wasn't your introduction. No, no, no. My <laughs> my my first record was um, the Green Album. That's I chose like, to start with that one because I like Cash Pipe. Uh, we'll see. Well, see now. Now you don't have an excuse. That was an Okasic one. It was an Okasic one, but like I still. I'm 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 gelling with that band still. I think I, I'm still. I have all the records. I'm just living with a discography at this point. Okay, fair enough. Because um, I, I I would have excused you not bringing up the Bad Religion album or the Bad Brains album, um, but like or the the Guide by Voices album, you know, because he's yeah. done the little one-off production things here and there. But yeah, yeah. but Motion that 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 felt specifically kind of egregious to me. And I kinda <laughs> I wanted to make it part of this podcast I, yeah. uh canon, put it on the record that you are acknowledging that which he contributed to the, the alt rock of the past twenty five years. Yeah, I, I will say this. We would like he was very that's what I'm looking for. He had a big hand in their sound very early on and those records wouldn't sound as good without him. Um, and I'll also hot take that um, Black Album is one of the best albums of the year. Thank you. And okay, okay, Mark is tripping pod- out. Okay, now. okay, th- th- this is a podcast, so you you can't see my expression right now. Right. But mm-hmm. it is a mix of confusion <laughs> and repulsion. I and existential crisis. It is so fun to listen to, man. Oh my god, I love that. Gratitude is better. There, I said it. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that one. I'm just trying to process it. If, if you got a bad hot take, I'm going to throw an equally bad hot okay, take. Okay, fair right. enough. All right. I feel like, you know. My, my, my thing is at least Gratitude has some punch. At least it's got some energy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I... I Black I, just kind of lingers there. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't dig in the ball. It's a fun song. That's interesting, because that's, like, the one song from Ratitude that, that, like, the members of the band have actively said they regret. <laughs> I don't know, it's just a punchy Not little... Not Can't Stop Partying yeah. in the mall. Yeah, it, punchy little rock song. It's fun. Yeah. I, I, on I, that, on that note, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming. I, I, hope, I hope everybody, by the way, I hope everyone knows that, like, the little jabs and thrown in there, it's all jokes. It's all jokes. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. He, this, this, your humor is very sarcasm-based. Yeah, it's a little dry, and like you know, listening to this podcast, like I don't mean this in a derogatory. It, it is very, it's very straightforward, you know. Yeah, it's very, it's very plain and straight, which I can appreciate. But like, you know, this is just what you get with the territory of 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 my annoying ass. I get that. You know? I get that. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um, who knows? Now that we know we're both pretty close to SoCal area, maybe we'll hang out sometime. But for now, um, on behalf of me, the Sly Dog. Thanks for coming. Till next time, people. Peace, love, and rock and roll. Woke up this morning, the house was cold. Checked the furnace, she wasn't burning. Went out and hopped in my old fold. 
each other some hard lessons lately We ain't learning words The same sad story that's a fact One step up and two steps back For listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.